All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and it is great to have you here today. I noticed, I looked at the clock here just as we're starting. We were about five seconds early, believe it or not. We did it. We made it happen. Um, I'm excited to have you here with me. If you're live streaming with us at facebook.com slash Boca Podcast or at youtube.com slash Boca Podcast, don't be shy. Don't hesitate to join in the conversation. You can comment, ask questions. It's one of the biggest benefits, of course, of these live streams is that you can interact with our guests and myself as well. So don't be shy. Take advantage of that. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, don't be shy either. Come join us. Come be part of these live streams. If you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule. And uh, we live stream every single one of the Boca Podcasts at this point. And it's, again, a really great opportunity to be able to interact with our guests. So come join us be part of the conversation. And speaking of our guest, before I introduce our guest, just one more quick note, as I do before every Boca podcast episode, I just want to encourage you all to look for opportunities to give back, whether it's your local community, national, international organizations. As I promised you all I would do, I made a donation to Charity Water before the episode today. I popped a little receipt up there on the screen just for accountability. But um, I just want to take this opportunity to encourage everyone to look for those those opportunities um, to give back. You know, Thomas, who I'm going to introduce here in just a second, and I were chatting before we get started. Things are a little crazy right now in the economy, and I know um, that can be a bit disconcerting, but it's amazing how even just a little bit of money goes a long way. And if we're in the position where we can have a a computer or a phone to be watching and engaging with these live streams, then we probably have a few extra bucks we can give to somebody who might be in need. So let's take advantage of those opportunities to do just that. All right, enough of the introduction and monologue. I want to introduce uh, our brand new guest for today. Thomas Bowie is here with me. Thomas, thank you so much for making time to come hang out with us, spend time with us, and share your wisdom from your extensive experience as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. Happy Friday, everybody. Yeah, it it is Friday, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to lose track as entrepreneurs. Like the days kind of just run together a little bit. It happens to be a Friday. That's true. Are you working any events this weekend, Thomas? No, we do not have anything this weekend. Okay. Lots of catch up emails nonstop. So it's still work, but I'm on site. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that. It's It does feel like there's always something to be done. I, we're actually getting ready to launch a, a new company, new brand. And there is an application both for Android and iPhone and the watches associated with those operating systems. And I have so much testing to do uh, for this app. So I'm going to be doing some of that probably this weekend as well. So I hear you on that. There's always kind of the, the things that we need to catch up on as we go. Thomas, you're you're a bit of an anomaly and, and a great the greatest way possible, really, in that you are one of the few non-photographers that have been on the Boca podcast. We've done almost 600 episodes now. And it's a privilege to have an event designer come on and share their perspective. And for those of you listening in and watching and or watching, if we're going to be talking about how to build profitable relationships with wedding vendors here in just a little bit. But Thomas, as we normally do, before we get into that main kind of focus, main topic at hand, I want to learn a little bit more about you, about your business. And let's start first with brand position. This is something we talk a lot about on the Boca podcast. And um, I know that there are many, and and I know that these vendors kind of categorize themselves differently too. Maybe you can explain this, but they're, you know, coordinators, planners, and I like the way that you describe it, event designers. How do you set yourself apart from the others in that space in your market? Thank you. Uh, What we do differently is that we offer full design. We We only do full service for production weddings. 
So we have a team that are designers, with me being the lead, and another team that are organizers, planners, who handles all the communications, um, working the liaison between the vendors and the client. And then as designers, we bring in and we fabricate, we design everything from the ground up for the client. A lot of time we build structures, we work out of people's homes where we spend days and days building um, the event from the ground up. Wow. Um, so wow. we offer both. But I feel like as event designers, you can't be just designers. You also have to be full planners as well. Well, I mean, it sounds like, and certainly looking at her website, in fact, I'm going to bring it up, that you offer a complete experience and probably at a level that a lot of photographers may not even be familiar, you know, photographing um, the types of events that it looks like you're putting together. And for those of you listening in, uh, maybe can't see the live stream, if you go to Thomas, and, and Thomas, I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. It is Bowie, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. Cool. So for everybody listening in, if you go to Thomas, T-H-O-M-E-A-S, Bui, B-U-I, lifestyle.com, you can see what I'm talking about here. But the footage that comes up first thing when you land on the site is just <laughs> extremely compelling. I mean, this is next level stuff. And if you scroll down just a little bit, you see there there's Thomas Bui Lifestyle is, of course, the brand. And the subtext there is Thomas Bui Lifestyle is a full scale production company based in San Diego, California, specializing in luxury weddings, social and corporate events. And that pretty well sums it up. But for those of you listening in, if, if you haven't seen the video, you got to go check it out. And of course, we'll link to Thomas's website in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Thomas, I, one of the things that I noticed about your site as I was preparing for our conversation is that, of course, it has the video there, but along with the video is music. And you don't hear music on websites very often anymore. Was that intentional? It is very intentional for me. Um, our clients are all over the world, Nathan. So I feel like music brings everybody together. We may not speak the same language, but music is a commonality yes. that, that, that makes people happy. We spend a lot of time shooting, taking different footages from so many weddings and then making sure that it synchronizes well with the music. Even finding the song was a lot of work and then having to splice it down so that it uploads fast for, for video on the website mm -hmm. was another work. But I just felt like this video is such a great introduction because I just feel like people feel like they're at the event, even though they're not. Yeah, actually, that's a that's an interesting point. I, I in fact, going back to the, the first point that you made about how it brings everybody together, music does kind of go not even just slightly beyond, but way beyond what how we can communicate with our various languages. And it really is a beautiful thing in that way. I, I can remember when I was a wedding photographer, I, I shot from about 2001 to 2012. And mm -hmm. That music was something that we ended up incorporating into our website, and it created almost like a, a cinematic experience. And when somebody landed on the site, it was more of a complete cinematic experience, and the emotions associated with that music, I think, are super powerful, and you can make a really big impact that way. And we just don't see it very much anymore. I'm very curious about that, but I love that you lead with that. So for those of you that haven't seen Thomas's site, make sure you go check it out, listen to that music, watch the, the footage. It's absolutely amazing. But Thomas, I want to keep going into the conversation because we have a lot to talk about. Customer experience is at, really at the center, of course, of any business. More, maybe more so in your business than than a lot of the businesses out there. 
the, the hands-on experience that you're creating for your clients is just, it, it's, it's next level. And I'm curious if there's a big idea that has driven the customer experience that you provide for your clients. How do you create just that earth shattering experience that they can't help but talk to their friends and family about? Um, for me, Nathan, my, my, my easiest selling point is my design, the focus, the vision of creating. I can walk into any room and redesign it and reimagine it with the client to the point that they just feel like I get them, understand them, and we move forward with that. Um, so when we, we only do full service, like you said, um, we, I like to reimagine every single thing whether it's custom linen that we bring in for the client, we are draping, we are re-carpeting entire room or building trees or floral structures hanging from the ceiling. Everything that we do is 3D. Um, and everything that we imagine for the client gets translated via computer renderings so that visually they know what's expected. They know what they're getting in the end I can visualize it because I work in it every single day sure. and you, you know, and then I understand the pricing and everything, but for the client, everything to them is, is they feel like they're walking into an event, not knowing how much things are going to cost. So I explain every single aspect of what we're doing and being transparent from start to finish. I think it builds an amazing relationship with every single client that we take on. And then it's also a trust factor, too, because if they want something amazing, you have to think outside the box. Yeah. Most of our clientele are Fortune 500 clients. Um, you know, the old adage, been there, done that. These people, they fly around the world for an event over the weekend, and they've seen it. They, I can understand their boredom as well, but we deliver a personalized experience. I think that's the biggest difference, being personalized, hand-holding them, explaining every single aspect of what we're doing. I, the word that, that has come to mind multiple times as you're explaining that experience is expectations management. You're right. I mean, it, and it's wild to think because, again, we're looking at those videos on the homepage of your site for the level of event that you're providing, the fact that these clients are coming into those events and they have been there, done that. Um, is, it's just a wild concept to think about when you're not used to seeing that, that level of production, right? But at the end of the day, we all need to understand what it is that we're getting. And that's a bit of a simplistic statement, but that's at the root of any customer experience. What, do, what are we expecting for the resources that we're exchanging with this particular vendor? And it holds true really in any scenario, right? Even outside the wedding industry. And the importance of communicating those expectations clearly to that client is just, I don't know, it's vital. And it's, it seems like such a simplistic idea, but I, I know that companies fall short all the time in and out of this industry, not clearly communicating what that client should expect from the process and from the experience. And then of course, delivering on that consistently. So I'm glad that you remind our listeners of that. That's super important. And the being a consumer, Nathan, they, you have to understand that me, you, whenever we get a proposal, what we do is we scroll to the last page to see how much things cost, right? Everybody does that. But as a clientele, you know, when you're getting a full 10-page proposal for florals or rentals, they don't know why things cost the way they cost. They don't understand why flowers are so expensive. 
And so it's my job to review every single proposal before I send it to them or make adjustments here and there and explain why things cost the way they do. Because most people think that for a florist, they, they don't set up till Thursday or Friday, but they don't understand that there's a back-end issue too. There's people cleaning bosses, setting, getting ready for candle prep, uh, cleaning flowers. And, you know, in the, past, in the past when I was starting out, clients would come up and say, well, why can't they buy roses from Costco when it's like $20 for two dozen versus <laughs> so-and-so? But, but you have to explain that, you know, um, you know, everything costs money and you get what you pay for in life. Costco flowers come from a different grower. They don't last as long compared to a different grower that, that these people buy from. So as a designer, you need to explain, you need to fully explain what, what clients are getting. And a lot of time it's not the flower it's the design pieces that they're investing in. So you're hiring someone based on their background, based on their experience more than anything, but also knowing that if you trust me enough, I know what to do if we fall short somewhere. If we have a backup weather delay, my team and I, we know how to handle it without stressing the client out. That's good. And then they're paying for experience more than anything at this level. Yeah. And at the center of that experience is, again, that expectations management that we just talked about, as well as developing the trust. And I think I think the proactive effort at, at managing expectations really clearly helps is, is part of what helps develop that trust. Right. When they they know from the get go that you're communicating everything in wonderful detail in a way that's easy to understand. And then you're actually following through on that through the whole process that trust level right. continues to go up, which is, which is a really great thing. Let me kind of shift gears here. Let's talk a little bit about time management. You, you mentioned going into the weekend, not having an event, but still having some work to do. And yet I hope that you're going to get some time to relax a little bit as well. Right. And, and so I'm curious how you're balancing running such an incredible company with also having a bit of life, you know, I mean, work is incredible. And I know so many of us enjoy what we do and yet there's so much more to life than just work sitting in front of a computer or meeting with clients, et cetera. How is there a big idea or principle that's enabled you to kind of balance the, the life with the work as well? The most important thing for me is that I start off the day by working out. I have to be at the gym at least five, four to five days a week. Um, I start out very early. Um, I do Spain class at six in the morning. So my alarm goes off at five. Some days I'm up earlier, depending on, you know, what's on my mind, uh, an issue with production or this and that. So I need that stress relief every single morning. It gets my day going. The sweat factor makes me feel so much better. Mm -hmm. um, so that to me is the most important thing. I need some type of outlet, exercise outlet, whether it's at the gym, whether it's spin or whatever. Um, and, then, and then balance work life. I communicate with my team on a regular basis. We have lots of meetings. We have outings. I make sure I take care of my team because they are the, they are the, the brand behind the name that works hard behind the camera that they don't get the same recognition. So I make sure that my team is well taken care of. You know, I take them out. We share stories, pros and cons as to what we can do for the next wedding that's we're always learning. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, you're always learning after every single event that we could do this better. We could do something different. 
because every client is different. Um, and a lot of times you don't know what happens till the weekend comes and then some personality shows up and then you have to deal with it on a different level too. So taking care of my team is the biggest factor for me. I make sure that every single year I, we spend a weekend where we have a Thomas Bowie retreat, whether it's San Diego or Napa or California. We were supposed to go to uh, Cabo two years ago and mm. you know the world mm. shut down to celebrate our 20th anniversary of course that never happened so but to me taking care of the the people that work for me taking care of the vendors and building that relationship is is the best work-life balance for me I, I love that answer I literally in almost 600 episodes I've not gotten an answer like that before the importance of taking care of our team because they are the ones that enable what we do. And it's so good. Uh, I, I'm lucky to w get to work with a pretty large team actually with my editing company. And I, it probably a day doesn't go by where I'm not thinking about in some way, the thankfulness that I have for that team, because I mean, it goes without saying really. And yet I feel like I need to say it that I, there's no way I could do anything close to what I'm doing without the team that I have around me. But you're absolutely right that that also make not only making sure that they're taken care of, um, but communicating clearly with them so that they're able to run the day to day or plan for the event. In your case, that enables you the space as well to focus on the things that you need to professionally as well as personally. And that's super important as well. And I think it's a great segue, actually, to a conversation that we regularly get into on the podcast about delegation. You obviously kind of practice this concept of delegation on a, on a regular basis. So I'm really curious to get into the specifics of it for you. Are you, and, and the, the thing that intrigues me most about delegation these days is communication. How have you learned to communicate what it is that you're expecting or what you're looking for from your team? And how have you, I guess, grown in that process of communication, communicating more effectively over the years? Because I, I know that's one of the biggest challenges when it comes to delegating effectively. That's, that's so funny because I'm very old school, Nathan. I started this business when I was 30 years old. So now I'm 54 this year. So back in the days, I didn't learn that old adage, like work on, work on the business, not in work in the business, not on the business or the other way around. So I'm, very hands-on. I like to be there for every single item. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not the type that can just, you know, give my give it away and let someone else run the company. I'm. I. I have too much control, and I don't know how to relinquish that control. But the people who work for me have worked for me, and I feel like I can delegate. And if something goes wrong, that I can't be there that day for health or whatever, that they can run the the entire production and run a successful event without me there. Um, it's taking me, taking me this long to build the brand. It's taking me this long to have a solid team, which is very important to me. Um, and I will tell you, and they, they will, every single person will tell you, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bitch. I am very demanding. <laughs> I, I expect a lot. You know, if, you've come, if you come and you're not dressed appropriately, I just, I just send you home. I just don't... I just, there's certain things I cannot deal with. Appearance is one thing and tardiness is something that I don't take lightly. Mm. You know, the old saying, being on time is late. I'm that person. Mm. 
you know, I will watch my clock if you're five minutes late. It pisses me off because that to me, it, it shows lack of professionalism. Mm. The client can be as late as they want, but me and the team, we're standing there waiting. Um, but I just, it just stresses me out. You know, when a vendor is late, I feel like everything is, is off site for that day. And it just ruins my train of thought too. Uh, so delegation to me is somewhat easier now, but I still hold a lot of it in my hands only because the client comes to me to work with Thomas Bowie. They don't, they don't sign a contract with Thomas Bowie. Next thing you know, they're working with someone else. And then I just show up on the, on the wedding day. That never happens um, because the vision is from Thomas Bowie. I'm the designer. I can walk in. Like I said, I design, I visualize, I conceptualize with them. And then from there, we produce every single aspect of the wedding for them and with them. Well, I like that you take your, you take ownership, even after being in business this long, that the, the brand and the business still matters enough that you're showing up. And there is an interesting conversation there and a much larger one. We won't spend too much time here today, but uh, this is a conversation that I, that I had with uh, Jill who heads up our digital marketing also happens to be my girlfriend. So we have an interesting relationship. There's this personal relationship, obviously, and she knows me very well, but then also the working relationship. And we've talked a little bit about this idea of delegation and working with the team. And she, her work ethic is just like next level and it pushes me, right? And I'm so used to being in this, this mindset, building a company like Photographer's Edit, which is all about delegation, right? You're, you're, as a photographer, you're delegating your editing work to a different company. And, and that mentality of trying to free up my own time. And mm -hmm. she's, she has really hammered home, in, in the best way possible, the importance of team and making sure that there is a certain level of, I guess you're, you're really leading by example. It's not about here, go do the work, and then you walk away as the business owner. You're leading by example and working with the team and relying on the strengths of the team members. So it's kind of a both and situation. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's an interesting conversation as much as we're obsessed in our culture. And, and certainly we talk about a lot here on the podcast of this idea of creating a bunch of freedom and space and time for ourselves. We also have to keep in mind the, the importance of work ethic and showing up ourselves as, as the company owner as well. Thank you. And it's true, Nathan. It, it, it all starts with, I also educate them how to write an email effectively. You know, you never start with an email with, hey, what's up? You know, you got to be more professional. I don't care who you're talking to, especially if it's a parent who's reaching out to you for their child's wedding or so. You, I always, you know, the, the act of delivery makes a huge difference in how you represent your brand. Um, the way you answer emails, the way you answer your phone call. I mean, I write so many emails where I sit upon it and I rewrite and re-edit because you don't want to, I don't want to come off being such a bastard. And then I can, don't get me wrong. I can, I can curse you out like an attorney too, but I have to lower my tone of voice because you have to think about the receiver. And actually, eventually these are your client, you know, they may, you, you may not have a personal relationship, but you have to have a working relationship and you ha they have to feel comfortable. And if you can't answer an email correctly, and if you can't convey your thought well without offending them, then you just come off being the biggest ass in the world. And I don't want to ever come off that, that way sure. because, sure. you know, my business 
is built upon reputation and referral. Um, our biggest clientele are repeat clients and referral from their friends and family, colleagues, etc. Yeah, that having a, I mean, you mentioned professionalism, but I think just a standard of living, certainly running a standard for the way that we run our business as company owners. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's really important. You know, there, I, it, it's so funny because I'm at this stage of my life. So I'm 42 years old and I'm at the stage of my life now where I'm kind of between, I mean, in my head, I'm still 14, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm healthy. I'm excited. The, the, the dumbest things make me curious about life. And, and I want to maintain all of that as long as I, as I possibly can. But at the same time, I've been doing lifelong enough and I've seen shift in culture enough that um, one of the things that has become a little bit more apparent and even in recent months is it may not even be a difference in work ethic necessarily, but certainly a difference in approach to the job from a younger generation. It's a very interesting thing to, to see and to observe. And um, I'm, I'm like you in that I think at the end of the day, there is a lot of value in some of those quote unquote old school, and I don't even think we should label them that, but the old school values such as being on time, showing a certain level of respect in conversation, maintaining a high standard when it comes to dress, especially at an event like the one that you would produce. I, I think these things can go a long way. And what's interesting this day and age is that it can actually set us apart. We can go next level just by doing these very, what I think are basic things, things that we should be doing anyway. Um, it can level up the, the experience that we're providing for our clients. So I'm, I'm glad that you bring those those values up because I think it's a good reminder for everybody listening in as well. I, I want to keep going in the conversation though because we're going to be talking about more about how to develop these relationships with the wedding vendors. Before we do that, I'm wondering if there's a particular self-help book or a business book that you might recommend to our listeners. Is there something that comes to mind? There's a book I read um, a year or two ago um, Never Split the Difference. I don't know if you heard of that book, Nathan. It's about the art of negotiating. And it's an amazing book. It's someone that was in the military and he was in negotiating. Um, and it, it's not just for weddings. It's not, but I feel like you can take that and make a whole difference when you understand it and you understand your business and how to negotiate or not to negotiate. Um, and I feel like in our business, in any business, you know, once a client negotiates on your pricing, they do not expect, they do not respect your brand. And they don't, they feel like you're not worth your value. So, uh, so I've learned that I do not negotiate because no one in the world is going to tell you your worth. You have to demand your worth. And if your work and you, if your work does not speak for itself, there's no way you're able to charge what you charge. And then if once a client knows that you're a faulty person that can't sell themselves well, then they know that they can get what they want from you. And I don't play that game. If you can't afford it, then I just say, you know, we're not the right fit. But sure. understanding how, when to negotiate and when, when, and when not to negotiate makes a huge difference. It's just like vendors. I don't come and bring clients to visit 10 photographers, 10 floors, and then, you know, have them negotiate and then play off on each other. That's just wrong. You know, that's just like you're not respecting the people you work with. Yeah, well, as you were talking, Thomas, I, I brought up that book. I haven't personally read it before, but I brought it up on, on the screen. I'll do it again here for anybody who's live streaming with us. You can see it. 
Uh, it is Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. It's by Chris Voss and Atal Raz. And we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for anybody who is curious and wants to learn a little bit more or get a copy of the book. We'll point you in the right direction. By the way, for everybody listening in, make sure that you take advantage of the show notes, bocapodcast.com. We, we produce show notes for every single episode and all the resources that Thomas mentions today will have there in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. So make sure to take advantage of that. Thomas, let's get into kind of the main topic at hand. Photographers who want to develop a strong working relationship with uh, wedding vendors, they need to understand how to add value to the lives of those wedding vendors, right? It's, it's a bit naive and, and certainly selfish to, to go and expect something from these people that they're working with or networking with without intentionally and strategically and, and in, in a way that understands the other person add value to their life. And I'm curious if you've seen, we're talking about photography industries, obviously quite a bit here on the podcast. And I'm curious if you've seen kind of that short-sighted, maybe slightly selfish behavior on the part of photographers from your experience. And I'm curious what that's looked like. How have they missed the mark in that regard? I feel like new, I feel like new photographers who are starting out, they miss the mark because for one thing, they're so busy trying to build their brand, getting the getting the couples to book them that they miss, that they don't understand that there's other vendors involved that they need to work for and work with. Um, mm. I, you know, as a, as a full, full service designer, most of the, most of the photos that you see on our sites or other designer sites, it has to do with less people. It has to do more the design aspect because I'm not a photographer. I'm not trying to sell emotion here. I'm trying to sell full transformation from start to finish. And if we don't get what we need from a photographer, it shows to me that the photographer does not understand the client. Um, besides working for the client, you're also working for the designer. You're working for the florals. You're working for the rental company. You're working for the hotel or the venue because those will be your key clientele moving forward. Um, if I love your work and you deliver me, deliver me a great product, yes, I will keep you on my vendor list. I will refer you to the right fit. But if I'm, but if you're not communicating with me, if I have to ask for photos over and over and you don't deliver what we need, then we are not a good fit. So to me, I just want to educate every single person out here, whether you're new or you're established, when you're photographing an event, you and your team need to understand that it's not just about the clientele. Yes, it is. Don't get me wrong, because they're the one paying you. But but the repeat business from other vendors is what you should think about, too. Mm -hmm. And you should understand that being in 20 years in the business, we are we get more clientele requests these days than ever. Um, the repeat business from a client may be one or two other sessions between maternity and first year anniversary, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a vendor who's been in the business forever that, that you need to take care of and that you should think about when you're photographing an event. And it, you know, and it also comes, to, comes down to you need to, there needs to be more than one person photographing a wedding these days. Nobody can capture one, nobody can capture the level of detail with just one photographer. 
Um, it's very important to have two photographers. I cannot work with someone that's just one photographer anymore. There's just too much going on. We have too many things going on. I mean, our events are considered layers. We're building upon layers and layers. And as the day goes on, the wow factor keeps getting bigger and bigger. So that's, that's what people need to understand that when they're working with an experienced designer, you need to bring your A game. And if you don't have someone else, you need to hire diff more people. You don't have to hire someone all day, Nathan, but I just feel like you need to hire a second or third photographer for at least three, four hours just to come and concentrate on one aspect of the, of the wedding itself. Okay, that's interesting. Wow, I, I didn't even expect to go these directions. So we're going to park here for just a second. I have two questions for you. Number one, you started with the, the, the point that photographers seem to be, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here more from, for the point that I would have made, but, but they're, they're kind of focusing on themselves, right? Versus the vendors, or maybe even not as much about the client. They're, they're thinking about themselves. And I have seen this trend. In fact, earlier today, I, I was on Instagram and I noticed a photographer had posted something, um, the production of a photograph, uh, kind of the behind the scenes of the pr production of the photograph. And, and it, I couldn't help but think about how, I mean, sure, this photograph might look great in a portfolio or in the photographer's website because it's creative, it's, it's unusual, et cetera. But what it took to get the, the couple and the wedding party to make this, to, to create this photograph was quite extensive. And frankly, it had little to nothing to do with the, the actual wedding day and the celebration of the wedding day at hand. I understand if a client has hired you to create that type of art, that's a different conversation. But I just can't help but wonder in many cases, the photographers are so obsessed with what they want out of the day and their portfolio. And they're mm -hmm. not thinking as much about how to serve the client most effectively, or as you're pointing out, serve the vendors most effectively in the big picture, that it actually interferes with their ability to grow their business because they're, they're kind of blinders on about their business and not about the client or not about the vendors. Uh, that's more Correct. of an observation than anything. I don't know if you have any further thoughts on that from your experience. I, th I think you hit the mark correctly, Nathan. I mean, it gets to the point where the more established you are, your vendor list gets smaller because you know who delivers, you know who's going to understand your vision and style. And so I just feel like those are the people you call over and over again because those are the people that's going to deliver without you having to educate them what exactly you want. Because I'm not a photographer, but I know what I want in a photo. And I know that um, I stress a lot with my team. And for us, the most important thing is that I never like the look when the chair is so pushed into the linen that it creases the linen. You know, to me, that is the money shot that if you don't have that right shot, it's just lost. Like my job, I did not deliver my job. So we stress about those things. You know, even though 10 minutes before the room opens or whatever, we make sure that all, we go around and recheck, double check and everything. And then um, every single person on my team has a ruler. And then we make sure that the charger plate is like two, three inches from the edge of the table. I go around and measure every single table. And we do that over and over again. Um, to me, that's very important though. Everything has to be perfectly aligned. Because that is what, in the end, that is what you're there for. You are the client's eyes and ears. And if you can't deliver that, it just goes to show that you're, 
for one thing, you're unorganized. You don't have enough staff working for you. Or the staff is so young and mature that they don't understand the level of detail that's expected. Um, they may not, the client may not see it because they're so busy with their guests and everything else and photos. But for me, that's so important though. I stress over those things. You know, we stress over placement of flowers. If something is wilted, of course, you know, those things get replaced. Or if the napkin is not folded correctly, we refold every single thing. Um, you know, I just love the details. Maybe I stress over it. Maybe I overanalyze and overthink these things. But that's what keeps me awake that's at night. You know, I think about little things. How to fold napkins a different way. How to accentuate the, you know, the details so that it's be seen. Um, you know, maybe I'm weird, but... <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, think, I think this is good because it, it highlights... You know, to, to kind of segue off the, the the point that I was making earlier, photographers so much of the time it's easy to obsess kind of over the the photograph and how artistic and how creative mm -hmm. this, this photograph is for the sake of their portfolio and what something that they had in mind or they want to impress their photographers or other photographer friends rather. But at the end of the day, what what really matters more if they want to continue to build their business is not some artistic perspective that is super subjective to them and important to them. But what matters is capturing the details that are important to the client and certainly mm -hmm. to the vendors. And, and it's good to, to hear the perspective of an event designer like yourself communicating what it is that you're thinking behind the scenes because photographers need to understand what which of those details to be looking for so that they can photograph them and then provide them as part of a portfolio for the wedding vendors at large. I think that's really good reminder for everybody involved. The other thing that you mentioned was the importance of two photographers. And I know this is probably dependent as well on, on the level of event that is being produced um, and the size of the event. I can imagine certainly at the level that you're producing events, you absolutely need at least two photographers to be able to capture all the details to also attend to the clients and photograph them. Um, and, and that's just a good, I, we won't park there, but I, that's a really great reminder, I think, for photographers, especially those who are wanting to photograph at a higher end level or a higher level, photographing higher end events to keep in mind that they need to, to plan on having a, at least a second photographer there to capture the event. That's, that's a good reminder. Thank you. Thank you. And, and for me, Nathan, it's about the level of details that we're working with. One photographer cannot be capturing the getting ready of the bride and then run to capture getting ready at the groom. You know, it's just so much. I mean, the even the best timeline, you give them, you know, the best timeline, right, two hours before or getting ready photos. But it always runs longer because hair and makeup maybe run longer. Some, bride, some bridesmaids wants to change their look or something or the dress takes longer to put on, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't have just one photographer running around, especially if they're getting ready at different location. It's never going to happen. And I just can't work with someone that's just like that because it's just way too stressful for me to think about that. I totally understand. Speaking of the, the level of events that you're planning for everybody listening in, if you don't follow Thomas on Instagram, I'm pulling up his Instagram here. Thomas Bui, T-H-O-M-A-S-B-U-I-L-I-F-E lifestyle. Uh, Thomas Bui Lifestyle on Instagram. And you can just kind of scroll through and see just some of that incredible detail involved. 
and what he's talking about. I mean, the idea of pulling out a ruler and making sure everything is lined up. I, I'm not surprised at all, Thomas, at, at the level that you're working. But um, you can take a look at Thomas and make sure you follow him there on Instagram. It's super important. Thomas, I, I want to get to kind of the practical takeaways for our listeners, for the photographers that are listening. And they're curious about how to develop a more valuable working relationship with wedding vendors. That really is the emphasis in our conversation today. How do we add value to that relationship? so that the photographers have the opportunity to continue work with those vendors, particularly um, event designers, coordinators, planners. In fact, I may have told you this before, I'm not sure in previous conversation, but I, I would say probably the biggest source of business for us outside of referrals from previous clients when I was photographing mm -hmm. weddings was a particular wedding coordinator here in the Chattanooga, Tennessee market where I live. Uh, her mm -hmm. name was Taylor. And, and we developed such an amazing working relationship with Taylor. I think at the center of that, a lot of it had to do with just the personal connection, right? Because I think a lot of times it's easy as a business owner or photographer in particular to go to these networking events, for example, and you almost go into this kind of robotic mode where it's just a very surface level connection and you, you exchange business cards and you cross your fingers and hope to work together. I I'm just not a fan of that style of business. I'd rather get to know this person individually. We ended mm -hmm. up photographing Taylor's family. And so we're adding value to, to their family or to her family's life by providing images for her family as well. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was definitely a value add in that sense. And then we ultimately developed a really great working relationship to the point where she would literally come to our studio. She would bring a client she thought was a good fit for us and she would bring her to the studio. And whereas normally when I meet with a client, of course, I'm doing the selling, I'm explaining and create managing expectations like we talked about earlier, showing a portfolio and albums and so forth. I would literally just sit back and Taylor would, and I didn't even ask her to do this. She would just talk about us on and on and on. Just talk about how great we were and this is the experience and this is what happens. And this is the kind of relationship that we developed with Taylor. And I think it's a beautiful example of what exactly it is that we're talking about today. What we would, I hope photographers would strive for this type of working relationship with vendors. So to that end, I'd love for you to communicate. I think you, you told me before we got started, you've got five different kind of big ideas behind how to develop a valuable working relationship with wedding vendors. Will you share those with our listeners? Sure. The most important one, uh, there's, I have five, six of them. For me, the most important one is communication. If you are, if you're, if you're a photographer, this is your first wedding that you're photographing a cultural wedding and you don't understand what's going on, you need to learn, Google what's going on with an Indian wedding, a Vietnamese wedding, Chinese wedding, because there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose the moment. You're going to not capture the right things. You don't, you're going to be so out of it. And I feel like... If you don't know, ask. But that's the most important thing. Speak up and ask. Don't wait till the wedding day because I am a bitch on wheels on a wedding day. There's just too much going on. I'm not going to stand here, <laughs> educate you where you need to be. You, you need know? a t-shirt. You need a t-shirt that just says <laughs> bitch on wheels. That's, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and also, you know, if you never worked at a venue, you need to do a visit. You need to go there beforehand, walk the grounds, meet with the catering manager, meet with me, meet with everybody else and so that you can understand what's expected. Look at the lighting. Look at the best place for first look or post photo portraits, et cetera, et cetera. Don't just go to an event blindly feeling that it's our job, everybody's job to tell you what, what's going, going to do because you hire people based on their experience. We, we don't hire people to babysit them throughout the whole day. 
Um, that's why when I sent out a timeline, they're like 10, 12 pages long. I expect people to read it. I don't expect, I don't want people to come up and ask me what's happening next. You know, I mean, these timelines take five, six hours. Uh, you need to understand, you need to read what's going on, and you need to communicate if you don't know what's going on. That to me is a, the biggest key, even with my team too. You know, if you don't understand a cultural wedding, then Google it and learn. And if not, then ask me or ask whoever because you need to be, you know, ready to go that day. I don't, you know, the that wedding totally day makes sense. I, trial and error day. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Say that last part again. The wedding day is not a day for trial and error. Yeah. You know, it's we're on full game mode. 100%. Yeah. So I, I wrote down communication as I'm taking, I've been taking notes here, but I, I would add to that in advance that the, the point that you make, the importance of communicating in advance, we're not, we're not going to go in the day of and try to figure things out on the fly. You need to make sure the plan ahead and, and that requires communication in advance. Do you, do you find any particular form of communication most helpful for those kinds of conversations? Do you prefer email? Do you like phone conversations, combination of both? I like, I like a combination of both. Um, I'm very traditional. If I have something, I like to pick up the phone to call people. There's so much that I can't text. So um, I just don't like to text all this stuff. If you need something, call me. It's so much easier. Or email. Um, you know, even email gets lost in translation sometimes. That's true. Because if it's too long, nobody wants to read it. If it's too short, you're missing the point. But if you need something call me um and you know if it's a brand new location and nine out of ten times we do a full walkthrough with every single vendor if i have 30 vendors working on a wedding we try to schedule everybody to be there because there's a lot going on sure Sure, that totally makes sense. Okay, so we're going to, as we're taking notes, and for everybody listening and watching the same thing, first of all, the importance of communication, and more specifically, communication in advance. Take us to the second point, if you will. Passion. Show passion in your work. You're working for money, but you, that's, that's the most important thing. Don't get me wrong. The money is important, but money is not everything. You need to show passion. You need to show that you're excited to be there. I don't need a wallflower. I mean, I mean, you know, then if I bring a, a vendor to a client and there's no passion in their voice, there's no passion in their tone, creativity, vision, then they're going to look at me and say, you don't understand. You don't understand us. You know, why are you showing people who don't have passion in what they do? Their work may look good, but, you know, but at the same time, though, Appearance is everything. If a person shows up and there's no passion in their voice, it's just like, why? you're in a creative field. Where is your, where's, where's your motivation? Here? Yes. Yeah, I, th I think it, the thing, and this is something I talk about with my team, and you know, it, you made a great point earlier, which is that email information can get, or the tone can get lost in translation in email, certainly text messages. Uh, but even with, our, with that email communication, certainly in phone conversations, what I've been communicating to my team is the importance of that tone and the level of enthusiasm that then shows interest, right? Because we're not creating a unique experience which is impactful for these customers if we're not showing genuine enthusiasm and interest for mm -hmm. what it is that we're getting to do with them. If we're there and acting like we're annoyed or 
uh, to use the, the the word that you said, wallflower, and we're just kind of in the background. And and you know, a lot of photographers talk about being introverts. And what I continue to encourage photographers on the show is to to learn to step beyond that because if you want to create that experience, you're going to have to 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 get beyond your your own insecurities and focus on how you're making the other client or making the client feel. And part of the way that you do that is to bring that energy, bring that enthusiasm. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that you highlight this. This is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My third point, Nathan, I want to say this to everybody, and I'm very, I'm a stickler. Pride in your appearance. Believe me, if it's not something appropriate, you should not wear it, especially on the wedding day or event day or for any day for that matter. If you look in the mirror, you say, and you're questioning what you're going to wear that day, then that's a no. Um, I love clothes. Believe me, I buy clothes from all over the world. I mean, so maybe for me it's different, but for my team, I buy all my girls the same outfit. I buy them suits to wear on the wedding day. All my guys wear Chanel ties on the wedding day. I purchase tuxedos for us to wear. I make sure that my team is always appropriate. And they are, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we have a look. We have a not a uniform per se, but we wear black. And that's about all we wear. Uh, we're there to be seen in the background, not heard. Um, so to me... Pride in your appearance is perfect because I don't have to worry about if someone's coming in, going to work in a mini skirt um, or wearing fishnet stockings on a wedding day. I just make sure that everybody wears the same outfit every single time we have an event. So yeah. that alleviates a lot of stress. It's like, my God, I can't believe you were for Thomas Bowie and you look like that. <laughs> well, I, I would like to take it a step further. I mean, you talk about being appropriate. Um, I, you talk about pride and appearance. I think that that has an even stronger connotation. And I would say let's let's encourage photographers to just to, to even go above and beyond, because I've honestly been I have been kind of blown away seeing what some photographers are wearing to events these days. Mm-hmm. And the, the argument is that comfort. You know, I get up and down and I'm down low and I'm getting down and shooting. And, and I, I understand the idea, but it doesn't say very much for the standard that you represent for your brand. And it doesn't say very much for what you think about the event that you're at. If you're looking like you just, you know, ran to Panera to grab lunch and then came over to shoot the event. Like it, it's, and that's what you're seeing in a lot of the cases these days. And it's really off-putting and I'm, I'm surprised by it. So I, I think this is great that you're reminding photographers, let's take things next level. Um, let's actually be proud of how we look. And let's also consider the client and how they want their event represented. Again, let's not make it so much about us. I think we can be comfortable enough, but also maintain a high standard in the way that we're representing ourselves and ultimately showing up for the client. And I, that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, to me, appearance is everything at this level. I mean, I know that sounds kind of shallow, but... You know, if you're if you don't look appropriate, people don't take you seriously. And I don't like I don't like to have to educate anybody how to dress appropriately. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just so you know, Thomas, it's, I think something's hitting the mic on your keyboard um, and we're picking that that sound up. So I just wanted to okay. give you a heads up as we're talking here. Let's go to the next point. I think you mentioned to me the idea of patience. Talk to us about patience. Patience. Patience is very important because. You have to worry about weather delay or we have to move from one site to the next. Um, in the past, I've worked in many destinations where the day is beautiful. Next thing you know, 
rain clouds come in and we have to move everything and reset everything. So you have to be patient and, and know that if something does go wrong or we have to change a venue, that you have to work at it together and not just go up the deep end um, because it's not something that anybody planned for, especially working in the South and Midwest. The summer's, summer's known for thunderstorms. Um, and, you know, the best laid plan, an outdoor wedding may not happen. And then if that's the case, then either we move it up somewhere else or we, you know, move the, um, move the ceremony to a different location or they just have to get married in the rain. And it's happened before, um, you know, and, it, and it's not something that we know but anybody wants. But just have to know that understand that there's patience involved because... If you are the main photographer or videographer, whoever, and you're stressed and you're running around like a chicken mouse head, then it just throws off everybody. Everyone's going to be yeah. stressed because of you, yeah. especially if yeah. I'm stressed, it's going to throw you off, Nathan. It's going to, everyone's going to be scared to be there because they don't know what to do. Um, being the leader who can't get his act together, then my team is, is thrown off and then everything else gets thrown off. So. Patience is the most important thing. I know my partner always tells me, patience, grasshopper, because I'm not the most patient person. But when it comes to event day, you have to put your thinking cap on and work as a team to, um, to reformalize, re reevaluate for the client. Because that's not something that we always, that's not something that I want to stress the client for. We make that executive decision for them. Yeah, I, this is it's so good that you keep bringing it back to the experience that we're providing the client. Again, if a photographer is is kind of focused on how they feel about the event or whatever is going on within the event, that then translates to their behavior. And you're, you're absolutely right. It affects the experience that the client is having. If we're there to actually serve the client and we're not trying to make this about ourselves, then we need to, to, to show up in such a way that helps minimize the stress for the client. And that that sits, that responsibility largely sits with us that we lead by example and, and, and keeping things low key and calm. I think that's, that's super important. Of course, ultimately being patient in that. And I, the last point that you mentioned to me was organization. Talk to us a little bit about the significance of this as it relates to um, developing a, a great working relationship with wedding vendors. To me, organization is very important. As a designer, I feel like 10% is design, 90% is organization. With the many emails that I get, Every single day, working on multiple weddings, events a day, I feel like if you're not organized, everything will get lost. Um, with between taking care of the vendors, making sure the clients moves along with decision making, presenting facts and figures to them, we have to be or organized because they need us there because um, they don't know what to do. And I'm not, they didn't hire me for them to tell me what's next to do. So, I have, so we have to be their eyes and ears for every single thing. And I feel like if you're not organized, things get lost. And especially as a photographer, don't wait till the day before to read an email or, or read a timeline and get back to me with questions because that's not going to happen. Um, so but just make sure that, you know, equipment gears are always charged. That's very important, though. Just have backup plans for everything. Um, you know, bring food because you, everybody needs to eat. I mean, I feed my staff two, three times a day when we're setting up for a wedding. Um, you have to be 
you have to think about the little things, you know, being organized because if you're not organized, it just shows that you don't know how to run an effective business, whether it's managing your finances, whether it's managing the client. But if you cannot multitask, then you're going to be failing at this stage in, in your career. Mm. Yeah, that it, I think about um, photography, for example, as a as a a skill set. If a photographer goes to an event not having their the skill set of photography down pat, then they're going to be overthinking the process, which then inhibits their ability to be able to be fully present for the event. And I think the same thing applies when it comes to knowing the details of the wedding day that they're about to photograph. If they're not on top of things, if they haven't planned ahead, they haven't communicated in advance, like you talked about earlier, gotten the information that they need, if they're not well prepared with backups and batteries and, and everything else, then when they go to that wedding day, they're not going to be free to focus on serving the client. They're going to be trying to juggle all the stuff that they didn't know because they didn't plan, they didn't organize in advance. And I think it's, it's a, again, just a really great practical reminder for our listeners. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. As we're closing up here, any, any, any last thoughts? If, if a photographer were to come to you and you just wanted to give them the, the big takeaway, the biggest takeaway, if they said, hey, Thomas, I'd love the opportunity to work with you, what would be the one thing that would just pop to your mind immediately you would, that you would want to tell them in that moment that would give them the best opportunity to work with you or work with somebody like yourself? The most important thing is be transparent. I mean, I say that uh, to everybody that works for me. Just be transparent. If something is not right, if you think that's not a good fit to, for the client, we need to let them know. If something is too expensive for them, then we need to tell them why things are, and then there's always alternative. I don't like to, I don't like my clients to sit there and second guess um, because that's not what they hire me for. They're hiring us for our expertise and then to guide them in the right direction. Even our million-dollar clients have a budget. Everybody has a budget no matter what. Some may spend more on florals and decor than they want everything else. But some, for them, the food is, is more important or the live entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you have to understand who you're dealing with and what you're dealing with and just ex just be transparent. If it's not a good fit, then don't take on a job that you feel like it's just too big for you at this stage in your life. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Thomas, I, I really appreciate you making time to share with all of our listeners today your experience. The perspective is really interesting. Um, and, and there was a lot of nuance and details there that you shared about your perspective that I think would be valuable to our, our listeners of photographers to pay attention to as they're considering how to better develop relationships with wedding vendors, coordinators, and, and designers in particular. I think it's really great. Will you just remind our listeners one more time how they can find you online, where they can follow you on social? Sure. Uh, we are on Facebook, thomasbuoylifestyle.com. Um, Instagram by the same name, also thomasbuoylifestyle.com. And if you want to email me, you can email me to thomas at thomasbuoylifestyle.com. We are based in San Diego, but we do 10, 12 weddings a year. Um, and we travel the world exclusively, uh, so we are everywhere. Beautiful. Well, I, I appreciate you, you you sharing there. And I, it's sorry, my control panel just threw me off. It told me that I was <laughs> muted. I, can you hear me okay? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good. We're okay. It's a little sound <laughs> issue there, but I, I I really appreciate you sharing again as much of your wisdom and perspective as you did today. For everybody listening, and make sure to check out bocapodcast.com. You can see the links to the resources, certainly to Thomas's website and Instagram as well. And uh, Thomas, I, I, I you've been super generous to give out your email. If you all want to email Thomas, you have questions for him, need a little bit of guidance you can reach out to him via his email as well. Thanks again. Thanks everybody for listening in. Have an absolutely wonderful day. Thanks, Nathan. Talk soon.